The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my new friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. The Michael King Show. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Firearms Friday. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show, where we are <clears throat> broadcasting live across the state of Alaska. This is your favorite radio station and or FM translator. And live around the world uh, on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com. Hi, how are you? Welcome to that favorite day of the week. <laughs> yes, it's still cold. Yes, it's still. I'm. I mean, I, I'm hoping you can't hear my heater beneath my uh, beneath my console today because, burr, man, it did brisky, brisky, a little brisky out here uh, in the uh, in the old radio ranch this morning. What do we got going on? Uh, we are ready. Um, <laughs> we. I see now. Bill in the chat room is blaming me. He's blaming me for the wither for the for the for this winter. He said, all because I wanted to have a green Halloween. And that's not what I said. I just didn't want to really see any snow until I didn't say it had to be green. I just, you know, was trying to, you know, I just was trying to remember that first Christmas or that first year that we were here uh, after moving down from Fairbanks is that it was just kind of so shocking because that first year we didn't have snow until after Halloween. I thought that would be kind of cool. So I was kind of holding those thoughts in my mind. But you cannot blame me for that. It's not, it's not my fault. It is not my fault. 47 below in Fairbanks, though. Now I remember why, now I remember why I left Fairbanks. 47 below. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. You can keep, you can keep that stuff. I'm good right now. It's 22 below here at the old Radio Ranch. Uh... I know. We so you brought the Fairbanks weather to the valley. Now we know who to blame. Hey, look, buddy, that first two years down here, I didn't even wear a jacket. Okay, I mean, I didn't even wear a jacket for two years. Came in down here. You, this place was like the banana belt. Uh, I did apparently. I didn't bring the cold weather down here, but I apparently took it away from Fairbanks because ever since I left Fairbanks, they really haven't had a cold winter. Well, you're welcome. I just gave it back to you. It's all your fault. It's all my fault. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> we're uh, we're ready to go down today to uh, do the things we need to do to talk about firearms. Good stuff. It is Firearms Friday. Um, it is. Uh, it's it's time to dive in and talk about the issues uh, that are important to us. In regards to guns and the Second Amendment and, uh, you know, firearms rights and rules and everything else. Joining us in just a few moments is going to be uh, Jacob Sullen from Reason Magazine. 
who um and uh, he is uh he's coming on board to talk with us about a new um a new uh regulation i guess um this well this is what the headline reads headline reads from yesterday biden reportedly is planning to unilaterally mandate background checks for all gun sales apparently a watchdog group cites atf whistleblowers who described a proposed policy a 1300 page policy that would uh, be plainly inconsistent with federal law so we're going to talk about that uh because I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that we saw presidents trying to exercise their power in this regard. Um, in fact, he's got another he's if I really wanted to get you guys riled up, he's got another piece out, which I would suggest that you you read um, <laughs> that it, it, this is going to piss some of you people off. And I'm sorry, but it is. Uh, Jacob wrote an article last week uh, uh, on the 24th of, uh, I guess, about 10 days ago. Uh, Accused of dictatorial ambitions, Trump doubles down on authoritarianism. You should read that article. You should just read. It's over at Reason. You should just read that article. That'll make your, your I mean, it made my eyeball steam. Not for the reasons that you're probably thinking. But it definitely made my eyeball steam. In fact, I'm going to post that one up in the chat room just to get your guys' attention. I'll post that one up. Um, all right. Anyway, so we're going to talk to Jacob Selim here in just a minute, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get a we'll get we'll get the full rundown on what's going on um, uh, on uh, on on this new ATF. This thing is nuts, man. This thing is nuts. Uh, and then in hour two, we'll continue to talk about some of the headlines and things that are going on around the country, around the state. And uh, we will uh, finish up with Willie Waffle from WaffleMovies.com. That's, uh, that's, a, that's a whole Friday wrapped up in a nutshell. I mean, this is the fastest two hours in radio. You guys ready to, you guys ready to crack on, get things going? Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, so uh, Suzanne Downing over at Must Read Alaska is writing about the latest piece uh, in the Senate, uh, SB 173, which is being proposed by Senator Shelley Hughes. It is also co-sponsored uh, by, well, it's the Three Musketeers, right? It's Shelley Hughes, it's Mike Shower, it's Rob Myers. I mean, they're, these, they're, these are, so <clears throat> does that immediately doom it? <laughs> Possibly. I mean, who, who knows at this point? But SB 173 would require school districts to grant qualified persons an assigned duty to carry a concealed handgun on school grounds under certain conditions. Uh, last year, there were 346 uh, shooting incidents in schools in the United States. Now, that sounds really that sounds really bad. But you have to understand that 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 is not just like school shootings. That's any time a school a shooting takes place at or near a school facility, which could include, you know, playgrounds, parking lots, in, you know, morning, evening, nights, when the school's in session, when school's out of session. So don't, don't get your panties in a wad about the 340. Anyway, so over the past five years, a thousand victims were wounded or killed in, on school grounds, according to U.S. News and World Report, which, I mean, five years, a thousand people. 200, 320 million people in the country, statistically pretty small, but still important because it's a gun-free zone, right? 
Um, anyway, one supporter of the plan, an Anchorage teacher, told the Senate Labor and Commerce Committee that she had qualms about one aspect of Bill uh, SB 173, and that was that the requirements that the person assigned to carry firearms must meet physical police physical fitness standards. She says that's too much. Many teachers are in their 50s and 60s and would not be able to meet those standards. I don't think I could meet those standards. I mean, you know, <clears throat> and I carry a pistol everywhere. So, yeah, um, while I may need to find cover and concealment, I don't necessarily need that to be able to shoot back. Just saying. The bill also requires the eligible gun-toting teacher to complete a recognized firearms training course. That's pretty pretty simple around here. Pretty easily doable around here. Now, the worst shooting in Alaska was in Bethel in 1997 when a student pulled a gun out at the high school and killed a student and the principal. Not coincidentally, SB 173 was suggested by a retired teacher who was at that school when the shooting occurred. Um, Shelly Hughes is quoted as saying, if we do nothing, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And that's what she said on the program when she was on the program um, earlier. Was it this week? Dang, this stuff goes fast. Was it, it was this week, wasn't it? I think she was on the show this week. Or maybe that was Rob. No, that was her. That was her. Um, anyway, Rob Myers and Mike Schauer are co-sponsors of the bill, which is being held in the Senate Labor and Commerce Committee, uh, which is chaired by freshman Senator Jesse Bjorkman, who is a public school teacher. Um, I'm assuming that's where bills go to die <laughs> in this case. I mean, remember, these are the three musketeers who are shunned. They're shoved off in a corner. They're literally their offices. I mean, my studio here, my little four by eight sheet of plywood size studio, I think is bigger than Rob Myers's office when he did that video interview with us the other day. I mean, it's just there's just no, you know. I, so they're going to take this bill that was introduced by the three amigos and they're going to stuff it into Senator Jesse Bjorkman's committee, who is a public school teacher. Who is, I mean, I can't believe you guys in, I cannot believe you guys down the Kenai with this, I mean, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but just with his credentials and with his, with his philosophies, with his beliefs, his liberalism, I guess I should say. In Kenai, you guys voted for him. I'm shocked. Just shocked. So I don't know if it's going to go anywhere. Um, I certainly hope it does because again, I mean, I, I hate to be that I hate to be that guy that, uh, uh, you know, that throws up the old uh, the old axiom. But the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun or a good girl with a gun or a good gal with a gun, whatever word you want to use. A good person. The only thing that stops a bad person with a gun is a good person with a gun. You know, they, they, you see this time and time and time again, the Greenville Mall, the, you know, in other places uh, where, uh, you know, the shooters have been stopped um, and forced to retreat. Um, the Pearl, the uh, Pearl High School down in, uh, was it Mississippi or Tennessee, where the teacher, a shooter started to shoot up the school and he went out to his car and got his gun and came in and stopped the kid. I mean, that's that those are those are the things that need to happen. And if you have teachers who already are carrying concealed most of the time somewhere else and they have the ability to do so and the training and, you know, they mark all your little boxes off, you know, what 
what, uh, you know, what, what more do you want? I think it's a perfect, I think it's a perfect opportunity, a perfect opportunity, um, to, uh, to check this out. All right. Uh, we are, uh, we're ready to go here. We're going to jump. You're going to jump away. We're wrapping things up for this. We've got, uh, Jacob Selim from Reason Magazine. He's about to join us. Uh, he's a senior editor at Reason and a nationally syndicated columnist. Uh, and his award-winning journalism has covered uh, everything from drug policy and gun control and civil liberties to criminal justice for just more than uh, three decades. He doesn't look that old. He doesn't look that old. All right. So uh, anyway, we're gonna we're gonna talk with him about this as we continue with Firearms of Friday. Guys, ready? Let's get this done. We'll be back with more with Jacob Sullivan in just a moment. Uh, we'll also probably open up some of those phone lines here in a little bit as well, if we can get the darn phones to work. Back with more right after this. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking gun radio. live through a series of tubes allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet well it's kind of hard to explain sorry streaming live every weekday morning on facebook live and michaeldukeshow.com okay 29 below says rick he's just down the road for me 29 below this morning for him uh, I mean, it's only 22 below here at the house right now. Um, but that is, uh, probably it's, I mean, I got out, you know, I walked out the other day and, um, I thought, boy, I said, that feels a little cold. Cause I went out to start the car. So like, that feels a little cold. I got in the car and the car went rear, rear. And I was like, what? I looked down and as it fires up, it's 28 below. And I'm like, okay, well that's the coldest that it's been here. Since we moved down here from Fairbanks, I mean, that's nothing on Fairbanks. It was 57 below for three weeks solid before I uh, before I finally moved away from Fairbanks. I figured that was my sign. God was giving me my sign. Here's your sign. Time to go. 57 below or colder. Uh, no, no remote start. It's a Mini Cooper, man. The, the, the European cars, some of those European cars do not do remote starts. I mean, well, you can get one, but it's like $1,900 for a remote start, and I'm figuring... How, is how often do I really need that? Not that often. Not that often. All right. Um, anyway, we're gonna uh, we're gonna we're gonna run up here. I see that Jacob Selim from Reason Magazine is in the uh, chat room here, and uh, we are getting ready to go. Let me squeeze down the screen here. Get us all kind of squared away. I almost called Jacob to have him come on to talk about this other article that I posted a link to earlier this article about authoritarianism and Trump. But I figured all you guys would lose your mind over this, that article, because, you know, (laughs) 
I don't know. You guys can't handle it. Uh, you, you know, I'm not a huge Trump fan uh, at all. So it's, uh, th- but I don't know. I know a lot of you are. I know you're like, you know, what about Biden or whatever? I don't know. Anyway, um, you should read that article. Uh, Jacob Sullum from Reason Magazine joins us. Hello, my friend. How are you? Oh, ow. Mm. Uh, let me check because I've got a, you're, you're, I, can you hear me clearly? Okay, yeah, you're coming through like the Borg, like, uh, so. Oh, that's, that's horrific. Okay, I can't hear you. Uh, it sounds like, uh, it's like, it's like crickets chirping. Um, so, it's like, I mean, on crack. It's like crickets on crack is what it sounds like. It's weird. It's really disjointed. So I'm going to, you want to uh, try and rejoin one more time to see if it's a connection issue. Um, and. And uh, we'll do that. Okay. I'll remove you from the green room and we'll try that one more time. Um, he needs to replace his headset. I mean, who knows what it is? Um, I had a universal remote start, says Brian. He joined the Air Force. <laughs> that would be, that's like, you know, saying you have a universal remote control. It was your kid. Um, his plug in his headset, his headset is loose, is what he's saying. Yeah, I mean, it just sounds like it might be a bad connection or a bad, uh, bad microphone. Um, uh, okay. Um, looking into that jobs career report and CRM actually created. Um, Reason has become a good media outlet for libertarians. Whoops, on the left. Uh, but they don't appear to be fans of Mises types like myself. I mean, I think you know some are some are Mises, some um, you know have a Mises uh, bias. Others don't. I just think it's a good. I don't always agree with everything that that they write a reason, but I think they do a good job at uh, keeping things good. Let me. All right, I'm still hearing a little bit of squeak. Can you hear me now, Jacob? Wow, that's really that's messed up. I don't know what it is. I can't hear you, so I'm gonna. You want to call me? You want to just call me? I'll just uh, we'll just we'll just do a we'll just do a phone call. How about that? Let me get. I gotta connect everything. It is connected. Okay, good. Let's uh, let's do this right now. Boom. We'll try this. Um. Let's put Jacob on. Oh no! Now I can hear it. Now I. Hello. I, it sounds like I can hear you perfectly. All right, hang on. I'm going to go back to the headset. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, okay, now, yeah, is that all right perf- now? You're perfect. All right, hold the Excellent. line. Here we go. We're jumping back in. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Let's do it. What the hell is an assault weapon? You know, if we could just figure out how to get all of the murder guns and the attack guns and not keep selling those to people and just sell protection guns, I think that would be great and solve a lot of problems. Does this mean that if we hurt your feelings, you'd consider The Michael Duke Show Assault Radio? <laughs> okay, we can live with that. Here's Michael Dukes. Yes, show me on this doll 
where we hurt your feelings on this program. That's where it's all about today. Jacob Shalom from Reason Magazine uh, joins us this morning. He is a senior editor uh, over there and covers everything from uh, the drug, uh, you know, drug culture to uh, gun control to, I mean, just a whole bunch of uh, public health, criminal justice. He writes a bunch of good stuff. And uh, today I've invited him on the program to talk about this new potential thing. I don't, we don't know if it's for real or not, but there's rumors going around that the ATF might be writing a 1,300-page document that could potentially, through regulation alone, uh, force a universal background check and a basically a closure on private sales. Uh, Jacob uh, Sullum joins us this morning to discuss it. Hello, my friend. How are you? How was your holiday? Was there a holiday? Yeah, I mean, last time we talked was I looked at my because I'm always curious. Time flies, so I'm I'm getting old, Jacob. Because I thought I just had him on a couple weeks ago. I got to talk, and I looked down and it was like the last time you were on was like the 14th of December, and I was like, okay, oh, I see. Yeah, so I was like, how was your how was your holiday since uh your, it, since your Christmas it time? Was, it, it was fine. And what about you? You know, not bad, not bad. It was relaxing. I I spent some time downtime, and I didn't. I molded myself to the couch and didn't get off of it for a few days and it was perfect you know no see i wasn't i was confused initially because it actually was confederate uh veterans day or something like that oh, <laughs> in, in texas i shit you not and they, <laughs> they um uh, my my daughter didn't have school oh wow so it, it's like a con it's well there you go and you're like wow. uh, yeah it's uh that was kind of jarring to hear that yeah um but I thought maybe you were talking about that holiday. No, no, no. This was a, it's been a while since we talked, so we wanted to get around to it. Um, well, Jacob, let's get uh, let's get started on this. I started reading this, and my eyes just kind of got wider and wider and wider as I'm reading down this column. Like uh, because we've seen, you know, it started out uh, kind of this authoritarianism with Trump, which, by the way. Uh, he wrote another article about the authoritarianism as Trump, and you should go back and read that and because it'll blow your mind. Uh, but you talk specifically about the bump stock ban uh, and how that kind of morphed into the ghost ban, the arm brace ban, and all these things that they continue to try and do through executive orders and administrative you know, hoopla, which the courts, by the way, are are decrying and saying, that's a set. You, you can't do that. That's Congress's job. Uh, same thing they're doing with the EPA, the overreach from the EPA and other organizations. But you're saying that there's a new movement afoot that maybe they're going to try and do this on private sales. Give us the rundown here. Okay, so this is a report from a, a relatively new watchdog group called Empower Oversight. Uh, and they say they have two sources inside the ATF who they describe as whistleblowers who claim that the agency is working on a plan to require uh, background checks for all gun sales. Um, they already are working on a rule that they proposed uh, last September that would, in essence, expand the background check requirement by, by requiring more private sellers to get licenses as, and be li federally licensed dealers. So the under current federal law, the only way the background checks are required is if you're a federally licensed dealer. Right. So so their their approach has been let's expand that definition or expand our interpretation of it so that more people who occasionally sell guns will be will qualify as dealers, have to get licenses and therefore have to run background checks. Um, and they are helped in that by a law that Congress passed, uh, what, 2022. 
the uh, Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, which modified uh, the definition of dealer a bit. Um, basically, the, the definition that, that we've had since 1986 um, was designed to not cover uh, people who are collectors or hobbyists who, you know, buy guns, have hold them for a while, sell them, buy other guns. Um, it's meant not to require them to, to be licensed. Um, and it, you, they used to define what it meant to be in the business of selling guns as including doing it as a livelihood or for the purposes of a livelihood suggesting that either has to be your main source of support or an important source of, of, of support for you. And this, the law that Congress recently passed changed that, take, took out the references to livelihood, right. and it's instead focuses on whether you have a predominant intent to earn a profit. Right, right, which is, I mean, it's so super vague at that point. Yeah. I have a predominant I intent. Know. I mean, do I intend yeah. to lose money? And in fact, they said at one point, you could even lose right. money with this and qualify. Yeah, so so on its face, it's like, well, if you, it's okay to sell a gun and make money as long as that's not your main reason. I mean, it's, and, and how would they know what your main reason is? It's like, um, they kind of suggest that, oh, as long as you're only doing it uh, to buy another gun that you like better, that's okay. Right. Of course, money is is fungible, so it's right. not like <laughs> that. That would be a total fiction to say, "Oh, I'm going to using this money, these dollars yeah. for that." Yeah. Uh, but but all right. So so the, the ATF issued this proposed rule last September. That's that's basically applying this new definition, explaining how they're going to apply it, and they established um, a bunch of criteria that they say create a presumption that you are in fact a dealer. Now, some of these things are on the face of them not objectionable uh they refer to people who who buy a lot of guns never take them out of the packaging resell them represent to people that not only will they have more guns to sell in the future but they can buy guns that they can re then resell that sounds basically like somebody who's a dealer but pretending not right to right so they're trying to cover more people like that which which is not such a big deal but they also uh, refer, for example, to people who repeti repetitively sell guns of the same kind and type, which is which, which you know, that's could easily encompass somebody who's a collector or a hobbyist. And then they say, okay, we've laid out these presumptions, but don't think that's the end of it because right. we still that's right. this is not an exhaustive list of what could make you a dealer. And they they uh, sort of repeat the language about how you know. If you're a collector or hobbyist, it doesn't apply to you unless you're selling selling guns predominantly, you know, to earn a profit. Right. And so that's very subjective and so um, alarming, I think, to to a lot of uh, collectors and hobbyists. Um, and so that was controversial, right? In itself, in itself. But this latest uh, report suggests they're going to even go. They're going to go beyond that. Um, by uh, imposing a mandate uh, uh, back for, for background checks for every sale, which means they have going to make everybody get a license. That's the only way to do it under current federal law. You can't the ATF can't just say, OK, everybody who buys a gun has to undergo a background check. There is right. no law that says anything like that. Right. They can only do it by uh, requiring more people to be licensed dealers. Uh, and so I don't know, I have no idea. Look, I don't know if this is, is completely accurate, this report, and I have no idea how they would go about this legally. And the fact that it's described as a 1300 page document, I mean, the whole rule they issued last 
fall was only 31 pages and that included all of these different criteria right, these definitions and the, in there yeah the legal the legal rationale for why they were you know expanding the definition and all that and that was only 31 pages in the federal register so what you would do in 1300 pages i have no idea but at, at at any length, I can't imagine how you could justify requiring you know anybody who ever exchanges a gun for money uh, to to uh, to obtain a license. Right. Well, let's talk um, about let's just talk about that mechanically for a minute because we've seen uh, we've seen states who have re- made this requirement. If you're going to have a private sale, you have to have a background check and yada yada yada. Uh, you know, we did it in Washington. We did it in other places. Now, the mechanism for which they would do that is that the private citizen was supposed to take his gun to a federally licensed gun dealer with the other party and they do a background check on the spot and then he pay, you know and it was cumbersome and it was costly because the FFL is not just going to do that for free they're going to charge you you know 50 bucks or whatever to do the background check or I don't even know how much but you know so there's a cost involved and what did they find out they found out that most people just were either one totally ignorant of the law or number two didn't care. And and the compliance rate on that is, I mean, single digits at this point, I think, is what the, the, the numbers are coming back with. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you, if, you know, there's re- some research that looked at what happened after states passed these laws. And what you would expect to see is that the number of background checks run by federally licensed dealers go up substantially because all of a sudden these private sales are supposed to involve background checks. And like you said, the only way to do that is to, to complete the transaction through a, a federally licensed dealer. And basically that does not happen. So, <laughs> so very clearly, unless people just stop selling guns, yeah, <laughs> uh, very clearly they're, they're either, like you said, ignorant of this rule, which is possible, right. or, or they uh, resent the additional uh, inconvenience and cost of, uh, of having to do this to go through a, a, a federally licensed dealer. Or they just might have a feeling like this is my property, like any other property I have. Right. Why shouldn't I be able to right. sell it to somebody? It's mine. It's you mine. Know? It is but, mine, and you can't tell me what yeah. to do, right? I mean, yeah. Look. So, uh, yeah, and so, so it, those, so those laws seem to be really widely flouted, more often flouted than obeyed. Um, but crucially, the mechanism there is that the state legislature passed a law saying here's what you have to do whether people actually do it is a separate question right but at least they had a law that said this whereas what we're talking about at the federal level is not congress passing a law right and And that's yeah that's the major difference yeah it's the uh, executive agency saying well we don't need any any more legis any new legislation we're going to impose this requirement ourselves and biden actually did say this is back in nearly a year ago march of last year he issued this executive order t- telling the ATF you should uh, develop a rule applying this, explaining how you're going to define what a dealer is under the new language that was approved by Congress. Um, and But his aim was to get as close as possible to universal background checks without new legislation. Right. That's what he explicitly said that. So at the time, people were like, well, as close as possible. So they're going to, you know, obviously going to classify more private sellers as dealers. But no one ever imagined they're going to try to classify all private sellers right. <laughs> as dealers, and which is the implication of this report. And again, I, I just um, it's it's puzzling to me on its face. And I don't even know how that would work, because if even if you assume this is something that Biden wants to come out with this year in order to energize his base and get them to you know go and vote, um, 
the, they already have a rule that's in the works, right? So it was proposed, I think the right. comments closed in, in December. They accept the comments, I think, until December. So they're supposed to be working on that rule. I can't imagine how they're going to revise this proposed rule in such a way that it's going to cover, you know, everybody right. who ever whoever sells a gun. Um, well, and it, just, it, yeah. this actually leads into a bigger into a bigger problem because we've been talking, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, things like the bump stock ban, the arm brace rule, the ghost gun rule, all these administrative fixes that presidents have tried, Trump and Biden have tried to put in to basically outlaw certain components or do some of these things have been ruled by various federal courts as overreach. I mean, the the Supreme yeah. Court just made a similar ruling on the EPA case uh, that they were basically exceeding their authority. They could not take up things that required congressional authority. They cannot do it through administrative fiat. And that's what they've been doing. And so you're starting to see this go on. I mean, they could be setting themselves up for basically getting, again, the smackdown from the courts on this. And I just don't see... I just don't see the benefit of setting themselves up to be knocked right back down on that. Do you? No, I mean, I, the only benefit I can see is that it appeals to people who like gun control and, and Biden wants to get more of them to, to go out and vote for him as opposed to staying home. Not like they're going to vote for Trump. But um, so maybe that I, I this is actually in, in some ways worse than those other examples you cited, because with something like the bump stock ban or the pistol brace rule, or, you know, trying to go after homemade guns, you know, ghost guns. Limited market. Yeah, it's a limited changing, effect. Yeah. By changing the definition of what, what is a firearm, right? Uh, at least there, they have a statute they claim is ambiguous that they're reinterpreting. And their interpretation may be totally implausible. And this gets to issues like Chevron, de Chevron uh, deference, whether, you know, Assuming a statute is ambiguous, which some of these aren't even really, <laughs> but right, even right. assuming it's ambiguous, do you, do you, does the court try to find the best, the most reasonable interpretation, or they defer automatically to the agency that is seeking this to assert this new authority? Right. Um, and so, you know, so, you know, do, you know, does a, is a gun with a, with a bump stock, a machine gun, it's not a machine gun, <laughs> but right. they're saying it is, and here's why. So they have a rationale and they recognize that they have to. Uh, at least pretend to be following the law, whereas th this thing that we're talking about with the trying to force everybody to be licensed as a dealer is plainly it's inconsistent with the plain language of the statute. It would it, there is an explicit you know exemption for collectors and hobbyists, right. and I just don't see how you could possibly get around that. Um, I mean, and, and and you know, Congress put that into the law back in 1986 very specifically because people. We're worried that the ATF was taking too broad a view of, of who a dealer was. Right. And they didn't didn't want, you know, they didn't want average people who don't really make much money from selling guns, but do it occasionally right. to have to act, uh, go and get licensed. Well, and this trips into a bigger question, because if you're going to be tracking everyone who supposedly is a dealer now because you've reclassified everyone, that means you have to start tracking, you know, pistols and guns and things like you have to have. I mean, it, it makes a valid argument at that point for a registry to make sure that, you know, and are tracking where these guns are going because you have to make sure that they're only going through licensed dealers. And I mean, it really opens the door, right? It's that legal yeah. concept of opening the door for the next phase of whatever you're doing there.
Uh, yeah, I, it couldn't it couldn't possibly be enforced. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I suppose forget it. Forget the whole issue of separation of powers and and rule of law and all that. Even though those things are important, right? Suppose Congress suppose Congress passed a law saying you know every there has to be a background check for every gun sale. How are they going to possibly enforce that? How, How would they, they do that? Know who who is exchanging their personal property with some other guy? I um, mean, you know, except for like conspicuous. Um, uh, exchanges and like gun shows and that type of thing where they could have enforcement. There. Right. They don't know. They don't right. know who's. You don't know who who owns them to begin with. Right. Um, well, I mean that's and, the whole and they Washington. Certainly don't know when you decide to you know part with one of them. I mean it's crazy. There's no way to enforce it. And then the other thing about this is leaving aside all the constitutional issues, the, the statutory issues. Um, what is the point of it? Right. What even if, well, if you could enforce let, it? Let's that, let's let's yeah. talk about that for a minute here when we return. Uh, Jacob Sullum, Reason Magazine, our guest, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. We continue right after this. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. All right, Jacob Selim, uh, Reason Magazine, our guest. I mean, that's the thing that kills me, and we'll, we'll touch on this when we get back, but the enforcement issue. I mean, again, going back to Washington State, they have got a compliance rate on their universal background check that is almost non-existent it was like a meek the most meager bump in ffl background checks after that law went into effect that you've ever seen most people were just like what i mean and this is what i talk about this sometimes on the program the idea of an irish democracy right where you start passing laws that are so universally either reviled or ignored that you are creating that kind of that state of anarchy uh, simply by basically making people just disrespect and not pay attention to the law because they believe the laws are wrong and unjust. And that leads to that could lead to some anarchic, chaotic stuff. Yeah. And then you also get totally arbitrary, inconsistent enforcement. If somebody if it somebody just happens, it happens to come to the government's attention that you've sold a gun in the course of some other investigation. Right. Um you you can face a felony charge, um, but almost no one <laughs> in that circumstance, you know, will be discovered. Almost none of those tra transactions are known to the government. So that's it, it's completely unfair in that sense that that just some random tiny percentage of the violators are actually going to face charges. Right. Well, and it's. <laughs> Especially if your name's somebody like Hunter Biden. I mean, you could, you know, I mean, because it, it, there's, again, this kind of the, this differential of treatment amongst people where, you know, if Michael Dukes had been caught lying on a form like that or something like that, I would be currently in custody under the jail waiting sentencing for my for my felonious false perjurious charges on my 4473 form. You know what I well, mean? Maybe Maybe you're the wrong kind of celebrity. Exactly. But the truth is these violations are almost never prosecuted yeah almost never discovered i mean almost never discovered but even when they discover it even yeah. having discovered it right almost never prosecuted um and so you have to ask when when some poor schmuck maybe you're not hunter biden because you're not you don't find it that sympathetic but somebody you know uh, like the guy who was pulled over 
uh, uh, for some routine traffic violation and they discovered that he owned a gun and also was a marijuana user. Um, he got, what was that? I think four years in prison. Yeah, no, that was a tough, that was um, a tough one to watch. And, yeah. So, so, uh, and that's just, t- it's totally random. Um, you know, had he not actually, um, admitted to being, uh, you know, a regular marijuana user, they probably wouldn't, couldn't have prosecuted him because how else would they know? Right. I mean, this is all, it's all a question of whether, you know, both of this information comes to official attention and typically it doesn't. Um, yeah. So, I mean, they don't know who owns guns and they don't know who smokes pot by and large. And yeah, well, and I think that's the biggest thing. Like you said, the hardest thing as far as enforcement goes is, I mean, they have an estimate of how many guns are in the country, but they don't, they have no idea really how many or where they are or who has them. That's right. I mean, yeah. you know, it's based on on um, how many have been you know produced and sold, and then uh, you have to factor in how many of them are no longer you know functional, and nobody really knows that. Right. Like what the rate the rate of attrition or whatever you want to call it is for for guns, but probably a lot, around four hundred million. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 that comes from a couple different sources, uh, including a, a big survey of of gun owners. Which um, which wait a second, because JD and I had this conversation a few weeks ago about the <clears throat> the poll where they said that they admitted that people actually lie on polls about guns, about how many guns they actually have. My 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 estimate has always been that based on the number of background checks, based on the number of war bringbacks from World War II and all this other kind of stuff, I guesstimate that there's gotta be three quarters of a billion guns in the United States. I mean, that's just that's just, you know, seven hundred and fifty million would be my guess. And yeah, uh, well, you you would have to. Um, I mean, people it's true. People will there's just like a, a social acceptance bias, but also the ownership might be illegal. Right. Yeah. Oh, if yeah. You're if you're a prohibited person. Sure. And and some interviewer says, hey, do you own a gun? Now they tell you it's confidential and it is confidential. Right. But. You'd just rather not share that information, you know, yeah. just in case, yeah. in case you might face a felony charge for illegally owning a gun. So, yeah, it's it's probably plausible that that would be it would be undercounted, especially, uh, you know, for people who have something in their records or something in their in their current behavior that that. Uh, or just, or just don't trust the researchers. Right. I mean, that was the other thing. They they literally were crying about that. You just don't trust us. Well, no, we don't trust you. Because you have a conf- you have a bias against what we're you know our our beliefs and everything else, and yet you're trying to. Be, I know you're trying to be unbiased, but you have a bias, and so of course I don't trust you. Am I going to give you all the information? I mean, it, it's not shocking. So I mean, the number of guns in America much greater than four hundred. Again, I I believe personally that it's got to be closer to seven hundred seven hundred and fifty million guns in America. So I think it would be shocking if everybody had to turn their pockets out, so to speak. You know what I mean? It would be a little bit of a shock for folks out there. All right, let's uh, let's get back to it here. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Let's do this thing. Here we go. Ready? Now. What the hell is an assault weapon? What isn't? If I assault you with a penguin, doesn't that make it an assault weapon? Does this mean that if we hurt your feelings, you'd consider The Michael Dukes Show Assault Radio? <laughs> okay, we can live with that. Here's Michael Dukes. Yeah, I mean, an assault penguin, that's a tough thing, man. 
they're hard to conceal too. That's the I worst. Think there, I think there was one in money a money python sketch. You think, there, I think there was an exploding penguin. And you on know, top of, on top of the television, I just yeah. feel like I feel I feel uh, I feel hurt by that. I think you know, I hurt my feelings. That was the thing. Jacob, just to be clear, no no actual penguins were harmed in the, in make, the production of that sketch. It, it was a I think a sculpture of a penguin. Yeah, so. I do not think it just was the clear. real deal. And but you know, but again, is that a penguin in your pocket? Or are you just happy to see me? That's what it's all about here, Jacob. Jacob Sullen from Reason Magazine is our guest, senior editor over there. We're talking about his report uh, from the uh, uh, that it purportedly says from uh, an organization called Empower Oversight that they have two uh, basically whistleblowers inside the ATF who say the ATF is preparing a new regulation, 1,300 pages, that would essentially mandate that anyone who tries to sell a gun privately must first become a licensed dealer with the federal government. And we were just talking, Jacob and I during the break, we're just talking about how ridiculous that kind of concept is because even the small arms survey, you know, says that there's 400 million guns in the United States. Now, again, I, I would suggest that that is much too low, that there's probably closer to, you know, three quarters of a billion guns just based on the number of background checks over the last 30 years, plus gun manufacturers records, plus, you know, bring backs from the wars, plus, you know, all this other kind of stuff. And people love to underreport to, to polls. Nobody's going to tell you, you know, you call me and say, how many guns you got? I go, oh man, I had some, but I lost them in the, I had an accident in my canoe and it, you know, nobody wants to answer those questions, Jacob. So how do you track all the guns that purportedly you're going to be, those person-to-person sales, I mean, how's that going to work? It's, it's not going to work. Um, it can't be done. And, and so that's so the enforcement issue is a huge problem in addition to the constitutional issues, the statutory issues. Um, and then you get to the question of why are we even trying to do this? Okay? So there are, are, are a couple of major problems with the system as it currently exists. The first one is that these the categories of prohibited persons under federal law are insanely broad, right? So they absolutely, cover. absolutely. Anybody who's ever, for example, ever been convicted of a crime punishable by more than a year in jail, uh, you don't actually have to have served any time in jail. But if it's theoretically punishable, right? Now that generally overlaps with felonies, but sometimes a misdemeanor can be punishable by more than a year. Class A, so that, mis- yep, some of the Class A misdemeanors right, can so get you. what does that include? That includes, uh, obviously, all sorts of nonviolent crimes as well as violent crimes. It includes crimes with no victims at all, like, you know, drug, uh, drug offenses. Um, and it doesn't matter how long ago this happened. So somebody maybe as a young man was a hothead and got into a bar fight and faced, a, you know, a, 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 it was convicted of, 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 say, aggravated assault. You know, 20 years later, He's calm and middle-aged and is a, an upstanding member of his community. He still can't own a gun. Um, people who are convicted of things like mail fraud, you know, maybe you don't want to go into business with that guy, but I'm not sure that he's going to go on a rampage. <laughs> right, know, and, right. And murder, murder, murder people with a gun. So it doesn't make any sense. And then, of course, you've got the additional disqualifications for uh, people who uh, have ever undergone involuntary psychiatric treatment. We don't, it, does, it doesn't have to be somebody who was deemed a threat to other people. Right. It could be somebody who is believed to be suicidal, went, you know, his family 
and uh, I, I yeah. arrange, arrange for treatment for him. And again, decades later, this guy lives in a dangerous neighborhood and he wants to have a gun for self-defense. Too bad. I got to say that uh, is one of that is one of the most insidious ones, because that has probably prevented more veterans and others from getting help with health care issues because they're terrified of becoming prohibited people. I mean, that's a real right. pro- that's a real problem. Yeah. That's not just like I'm thinking theoretically. That's a real problem. I've talked to veterans who have said that exact same thing to me. They do not want to because they said, you know, if they've got PTSD, they could lose their gun rights simply for seeking health care treatment. And then and then, uh, you know, another big category is unlawful users of controlled substances. So that covers all all the can you know, all 60 million or so cannabis consumers in America, even if they live in states where it's legal, doesn't matter. It's still legal under federal law. Um, right. And, 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 you know, the Biden administration is determined to defend that role, even though uh, Biden's own son has been, is, is being prosecuted under it. Um, you know, it, it, these rules make no sense. So you're, you're casting a net that is way too big in trying, you know, to prevent these people from buying guns because the vast majority of these people pose no threat to public safety. Right. So that's the first problem. So, so people who like background checks will say, look at all these people who are all these transactions that were blocked, implying like every one of those people was a <laughs> yeah. potential mass murderer. <laughs> I know. But it's absolutely not true. How do we know that's not true? First of all, we know because the reasons why they were disqualified have nothing to do with violence, have nothing right. to do with a history of violence. Secondly, we know because in cases where, suppose it's the transactions blocked, Lots of cases like that, as we were mentioning, uh, they're almost never prosecuted. The federal government does not take those cases seriously. No. They don't think that that's a, a serious danger that those people try to buy a gun. Handful even, of prosecutions. I mean, even handful. in cases uh, where people successfully buy the gun, because you know sometimes the uh, maximum amount of time elapses, and then they have to, you know, with I think it's three business days currently. They have to complete the transaction, but then subsequently the ATF may discover, oh, he shouldn't have been allowed to buy that gun because he's disqualified for these reasons. What happens then? Well, the ATF is supposed to go go and get those guns because those people are not allowed to own them, right? But they are very lackadaisical about it. Yeah. They're not in any hurry to do that. And when you ask them, why don't you, isn't this a serious threat? They're like, well, I, most of these people aren't dangerous. Right. It's like, well, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Are, the law is are dangerous. Then, yeah. then why is the law treating them like they are? Right. Right. So that's um, so the whole underlying principle of the current background check system doesn't make any sense because these categories are way too broad. So to 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 try to widen it to encompass more transactions when the when the current system doesn't make any sense uh, just makes a bad situation worse. Yeah. Um, and then you ask. Well, who? All right. So, who are we really trying to stop from having right, guns, right? right? So, or all right. First of all, ordinary criminals—you know, the people who are responsible for most violent crime um, and most murders—where um, do they get their guns from? Well, it is almost never a, over the counter in a, at a gun store where you, you know, would run a, a background check. They're getting uh, guns through various uh, informal transactions. Sometimes they steal them. <laughs> right. Sometimes they get them from a friend of a friend, sometimes right. from a relative, they buy out of the black market. There are all kinds of ways to get guns where you you never gonna have to undergo a background check. They're already violating the law by doing that, um, especially you know if they have a felony record. 
So just saying, okay, now you, now you really have to go through a background check. That's not going to do anything, right? So 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 those people will still be able to get guns, right? Uh, and then if your real concern is you know mass murderers, um, typically they don't have disqualifying records, and so right. in, in case after case you see. Like, I always look for this detail after there's a mass shooting. How did they get the guns? Like, yeah. we, need, we need more. We need more background checks, and we need to, you know, usually say ban assault weapons, but also they say <laughs> we need more background checks. And then it always, almost always, comes out the, the weapon was legally purchased. Right. Exactly. And, that's... and what that means is that he did not have a disqualifying record. And then even in cases where people might not, like with minors who who aren't maybe right. allowed to get guns, they can still get them from family members. Right. They steal. The or they can get an older an older acquaintance to buy it for them, right? So, so even if you could impose this uh, requirement, it wouldn't actually be universal in practice, and it wouldn't capture most of the people that you're worried about. You should go out and read this article. It's in Reason.com right now. Biden reportedly planning to unilaterally mandate background checks for all gun sales. I'm posting a link up in the chat room. Jacob Sullum, Reason Magazine. Uh, magazine. Magazine. Good morning. Uh, thank you, my friend. I appreciate you being part of it. Hold the line for just a second. Folks, we're going to be back with more. we got uh, Dead Ahead, Hour 2, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Now, this reminds me, Jacob, of that. Uh, this reminds me of that John Stossel interview where he he went to a prison and he sat all those prisoners around him and he started asking questions like, how long if you got out of here today, how long before you know would it be before you could get a gun? And they were like, 90 minutes. I'm just like, what? They just like they could walk out 90 minutes. No big deal. I mean, bad people are going to do bad things. They're going to they're going to figure out a way. It doesn't matter how many laws that are there. And that's what everybody seems to they seem to miss. And like you said, the latest shootings. Oh, we need universal background. Well, but they passed background checks. Right. And, and then even the government, which you're supposedly supposed to trust to keep the background checks running. It's like the Sutherland Springs shooter in Texas. He had a dishonorable discharge. The Air Force never passed that information onto the Knicks back. I mean, so he was a prohibited person, but they didn't know it because the government fell down on itself. I mean, this happens so many times, and it's like we're the ones that have to pay that price. we got to have heavier regulation and heavier laws on average citizens because the government's not doing its job. It's not, you know, it, it just makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, and that policy is tremendously popular. Uh, you know, requiring background checks for all because it just seems like common sense, right? Most people, right, right. Why, why wouldn't you do that? We don't want bad people buying guns, but yeah, if when you delve into the details of what does it actually mean, who, who are they screening for, right, and and who will actually be subject to that requirement in practice, then you realize that it's just something that you do to make people feel good, like feel like something is being done. Yeah, it's more it's security theater, right? I mean, that's what it is. It's 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 theater in that regard. Well, I hope that I mean, it would be weird if this group and power uh, oversight uh, was wrong about this. But I mean, I don't know. It just like you said, it seems puzzling that a thirteen hundred page document. What could they say in thirteen hundred pages that they couldn't say in thirty one pages? Right. And and uh, we don't know the font. Or the or the spacing of the document, and and they and it was the way it was described was not as like um, a proposed rule, but as um, a supporting document is how they describe. But I can't even imagine what, yeah, what what could you do in thirteen hundred pages that would that would rewrite the law? I just I, I don't know how that would work. And so it it 
may turn out to be something that was misconstrued. Right. Uh, I'm slightly, I'm slightly, I'll be honest with you. After reading the whole article and talking with you, I'm slightly skeptical that that's the direction that they're going, especially given the light of the courts that are, you know, banging away at all this overreach at the administrative or executive level. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that was the plan at one point. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, I, mean, I think the aim would be um, not to actually have a policy that's held, held, upheld by the courts, but to score political points. But I just don't, in terms of the timing of it, given the fact they already have this rule in the works, I'm not sure how it would work. Right. I mean, I suppose Biden can just one day announce, oh, you know what? We decided we can make everybody get a get a uh, <laughs> I license. Su- I, suppose, I suppose. I uh, suppose. You know. All right. Well, Jacob, thank you so much for coming on board. It's uh, always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. Uh, thanks for of thanks course. for being part of it. We will uh, stay warm. I mean, it's only 22 below here. So stay. Oh, it's a chilly 59 degrees here. Hate you so much right now. I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, my friend. I'll talk to you again soon. OK. OK. Take uh, it easy. All right. Uh, OK, folks, here we are. Um, I'll tell you what. Uh, I don't normally do this. But, uh, but but sometimes you gotta. Sometimes you gotta. Uh, my friend, uh, my friend is calling. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. I have friends 
He has friends? Question mark? What kind of question is that? Look. My friend's in the background behind me. <laughs> Can we blame it on Bosco? I think it was Bosco that needed to uh, see a man about a dog. All right. We're jumping back into it. Hour two is right now. The Michael Luke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Let's uh, let's get going on. Here we go. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my little friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. Michael Jackson. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Firearms Friday. Oh yeah, baby. Firearms Friday. Your chance to sound off on issues of a two-way nature right here on the Michael Duke Show. Uh, where we are broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station, and or FM translator, or live around the world at MichaelDukeShow.com on the internet. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's the cool place to be. All the cool kids are doing it. Come on out and join us. Speaking of cool kids, have you heard about the Common Sense Corps? I'm just asking for a friend. The Common Sense Corps is how you can help uh, support the show, uh, be a member of the of the kind of the, the cool kids club, the fan club. You get access to our private Facebook group where we talk about you behind your back. I mean, we talk about other – I mean, we, we share stuff behind – it's all private. Anyway, for as little as 3 bucks a month, you can help support the show. Uh, make sure we get massive new technology all the time and uh, um, and just, you know, keep the lights on. Or the heater on at this point. I've got to keep the heater on. I'm paying the heating bills in the studio right now with Common Sense Core money. That's what's happening. Uh, anyway, go check it out. You can go to MichaelDukeShow.com and just click on Join the Core uh, or to Patreon.com slash MichaelDukeShow, one of the two. I don't care. You can uh, you can do it to it. Uh, but come on out and join us. It'll be fun stuff. Okay, what uh, what are we – it's hour two already. I know, Debbie's, Debbie's like, it's hour two already? Welcome to the fastest two hours in radio. This show, man, it's just like, click, you're done. Click, you're done. Okay, on to the next step. Um, all right, I went ahead and uh, opened up the phone lines today. Um, now, I'm not even going to try to use the regular GCI number because, uh, I mean, I, it's been busted for most of the week. I discovered midway through the week. Uh, so if you want to give us a call 
I'm just going to give you the direct number to the system, 319-527-3864. 319-527-3864. Last time, hopefully you're writing it down, 319-527-3864. Um, just give us a call if you want to, you know, tell us anything that, you know, you want to comment on anything that Jacob and I covered uh, right now. Uh, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. The phone lines are up and rolling and ready to go, and we can uh, we can chat about any of that. I expect to hear from Fred today from Rhode Island because Fred's an avid weekday weekday listener, weekend Friday listener. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, so what else? Uh, I just see Jeffrey. Jeffrey just popped into the chat room from Fairbanks. It says, "My doctor asked if I have guns in the house." He says, none your business. Uh, you know, you're seeing more and more of that. You're seeing more and more of these health-related issues where organizations like the American Medical Association and others want to get involved in the idea that somehow firearms in America are some kind of public health crisis. And so they want to get involved and they want to start asking these questions. And there's questionnaires. I mean, I'll be honest with you. If my doctor asked me if I had guns in my house, I would leave. I demand a copy of my medical records and I would leave and go find another doctor. That's just me personally. I know there's not a lot of doctors out that you got to gel with your doctor on so many levels. But I figure by the time I get to a questionnaire and they ask me if I have guns in my house, uh, you know, now if it's on a questionnaire, I'll just skip over the question. But if a doctor actually asked me, uh, you know, well, do you have guns in your house? Well, this conversation's over. Um, or I might finish the appointment and I would just go, oh, of course not. Of course not. And then as soon as the appointment was over, I'd demand my medical records and never come back. Because that's, again, that none of your business. If you're just, I mean, okay, so if you're a mental health professional, Maybe that's a question that can be asked because you're concerned about somebody's state of mind or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But if it's just a GP or something or a family doc or something like that, um, I – no. No. It's none of your business. And, in fact, the fact that you would ask that seems to me to be a breach of trust because, remember, the federal government has access to your medical records now, Right? I mean, they can, they can, there's all kinds of things that can go on there. And I am not interested, um, I'm not interested in answering that question. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, There's just no way. Um, So there you go. I have I have a hearing loss. It's from horse wrecks, not guns. Okay, well, there you go. I mean, I've got an answer for everything in those things, but I would never answer that question on a questionnaire. And and it was going back to what Jacob Sullum was saying about um, you know, the the number of firearms in the United States. You know, there's a problem trying to track that, right? There's a there's, there's an inherent problem in one the average American probably has a minor distrust in government. I mean, first of all, trust in government's at an all-time low, right? We know that already. Historically, trust in government's at an all-time low. But I just think it is one of the most Americans, 
one, one of the most one of the most American of expressions of belief that you should question authority, right? So anytime somebody asks you something that relates to you know personal say, people, I don't think a lot of times people answer some of those questions truthfully, especially if it's some you know random person on the phone that's called me up for a survey. I'm probably not going to answer you truthfully. I'll be honest with you. Because data mining and all these other things, I'm probably not going to answer you if I answer your questions at all. I I mean, I just generally... Now, first of all, being in radio and being a a quote-unquote media personality, that automatically disqualifies me from many of these polls, which is just sweet. Because I just go... Uh, I'm a media personality in radio, and I can't answer your questions. And they'd be like, okay, bye. Uh, because most polls would disqualify, you know, anyway. So I just that answered. But again, I wouldn't, even if I wasn't, I don't know if I would either answer or answer correctly. Because it's just, there's just too much out there that can be collated. Well, we don't keep your name. Well, you don't, well you've got my phone number next to my answers. I've had the same phone number for 30 years. You don't think somebody with a quick search could figure out what my answers were through your database? You know? <laughs> Jeffrey. <laughs> Jeffrey, the other Jeff, just said, heck, I've got guns in your office. If the doctor says, hey, do you have guns in your home? <laughs> I, hell, I've got one right here. You want to see it? Um <laughs> Don't ever do that, all right? That's not what I meant. Although that does bring me to the next great story of the day. Uh, I read this story, and I just absolutely loved it. So let's let me go to this story. Gun control activists in Indiana are having an absolute meltdown after several high schoolers affiliated with Students Demand Action, that's the David Hogg thing, uh, confronted Representative Jim Lucas over the right to carry, only to learn that he had a gun on him at the time. This is so great. The Muncie's, uh, is it Muncie, Muncie, Indiana, or Muncie, Indiana? Whatever it is. The Muncie students were at the state capitol on Tuesday advocating for more gun control when they hopped on an elevator with Lucas. Okay, so here it is. This is, you know, the ambush journalism where they've got the phones already up and they're live streaming or they're recording, right? And they ambush him and they hop on the elevator with him. This is this 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 is just typical, right? Kind of stuff. One of the kids then asked Lucas if he carried a firearm, at which point Lucas pulled back his suit jacket to reveal his lawfully carried pistol and said, I'm carrying right now. (laughs) I just, I just want to see the blood drain from everybody's face, right? You can hear the sphincters slamming shut from here. I just, I love it. So the story goes on in MSN. Uh, Makiana, Makiana 5, Mac. M-A-K-Y-N-N-A. Makiana? Makina? Well, I don't even know. Makiana Fivecoats, a 17-year-old student at Burris Laboratory School, recorded the exchange between Lucas, the students, and a parent chaperone, Allison Case, according to the Statehouse file. During their discussion, Lucas flashed his gun to the teen. Now, here's the thing. Again, this all comes back to reporting, right? It's not flat. Flashing the gun... 
well, maybe the difference between flashing and brandishment. I mean, if you just pull back your suit coat and show them the pistol, you're like, yeah, right here. Um, Five Coats told the Statehouse file, which apparently is some kind of local paper, my heart sank to my stomach. I genuinely felt very unsafe at that moment, and I really just wanted the conversation to kind of end after that. Well, maybe you shouldn't have climbed into an elevator with the man if that was the case. A student next told Lucas that people carry firearms do not make th- that people carrying firearms do not make them feel safe, but rather threatened the students, prompting the following exchange. Okay, Lucas responds. Those are feelings. I'm talking facts. That's what this is about, said the students. This is about feelings. Lucas said, people who want to kill you don't care about your feelings. (laughs) This is such a mic drop moment. I mean, I just, this guy is my own personal freaking hero right now. Um, It's just, it's not about feelings. It's not about how I make you feel. I mean, again, the fact is that they climbed onto an elevator to corner this guy with a live stream camera and the whole thing. And then when they and I think they got what they wanted. I think that they got the fact that he admitted to carrying a gun and all of a sudden they could clutch their pearls and be like, we're not safe. We can't. Oh, I I can feel I'm having a heart attack right now from the fear. I mean, you could just see it happening, right? I could just see it. I could just see it. I I don't feel safe. I feel threatened. Um, I mean, if I stood in an elevator with you, would you feel threatened? Because you would never know that I'm carrying a firearm. Never. Unless you confronted me about it, then maybe we'd have that conversation. But how would you ever know? This is, I mean, again, this is all about the feelings and the thing and all the deal. So they posted the exchange online. And then gun control advocates and Democratic lawmakers were trying to name and shame Lucas for his actions, but he didn't back down. In a post on Facebook, he said he fears for and pities, quote, those that are being indoctrinated to fear that which is their best means of self-defense, adding people are only are also being indoctrinated to depend on government for their safety, even when shown that government has clearly ruled the courts that government doesn't have the duty to protect us, which is true. This is the Rose decision. Government has no requirement. They do not have a, I know the sides of their car say to serve and protect, but they do not have a duty to protect you. The courts have ruled on that. Now they will, but you can't later on say, well, they had a duty to protect me and they didn't get there and save me or they didn't, you know, you, they do not know. You know who's responsible for your safety? You. But I just, I, I, I want to, I want to talk more because this, this goes on and on, but just that first part of this whole article. Anyway, um, wow, we are, we're already at the break. I'm sorry. I apologize. And I just saw a phone line flash up. So I got one line on hold. Um, I think it's Fred. Um, and, uh, so I'm going to, we're going to hold on here. Uh, we're going to come back and we we will continue. (laughs) This is, man, welcome to Friday, friends. You ready to go? We'll be back with more right after this. The Michael Duke show, common sense, Liberty based free thinking radio. We return right after these messages. 
If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break right now. I believe that this is Fred. It's a 401 area code. See, that's the best part about just going to the direct number is my caller ID works. Uh, so I believe this is Fred. Hello, Fred. How are you, my friend? Good guess. Good guess. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> How you been? I see, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I saw the 401 area code, and then I saw the the, the Alfred. So I just wanted to uh, let you know. Um, can we come back to you here in just a second, Fred, when we return to the radio? We're about uh, four minutes out here. I'll be right here. Okay. All right. We'll come back to you here in a second. Let me get caught up in the chat room uh, with Fred. Um, when asked by pollsters, I'm a transgendered polygamist native Trump supporter. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I remember all the farm boys in high school showed up every day with a shotgun in the window gun rack. Nobody said a word. Never once had a school shooting. What causes all these problems since? He says, being around unarmed, mentally unstable wackadoodles with purple hair, three nose rings, and a Prius makes us feel unsafe. I, I, some of my very good friends have purple hair and nose rings and may, may or may not drive a Prius. I don't think it's necessarily the way they look or anything else. I think it's just this whole thing about, you know, this, this whole thing about my feelings. You're making me feel unsafe. I can't get you, baby. Facts are not feelings. Okay. Feelings are not facts. And I, you, only you can control how you feel, Right. I mean, it's not my job to make somebody else happy. And, uh, I mean, if you're okay with a state trooper walking by you with a gun and you feel fine and you don't feel safe with me, what? that's your problem, not mine. Because I am statistically less likely to commit a crime than the police officer who's carrying a gun. Statistically. If you're a concealed carry holder, they statistically commit crimes at a rate lower than police officers. Shut your pie man. Just shut your pie hole. Um, hey, where's the video? No audio. What? I don't know what the, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about, Willis. Um, Chicago. This is GD. Thank you, GD. Chicago, last week, 47 shot, five dead. Lart, you know, biggest gun control, you know. Biggest, one of the biggest gun control capitals of the world, murder capital of the world. That's where it's at right there. Uh, Chris says hello to Fred. Brian says we should send Fred some salmon. You know, we should send Fred some salmon. We should send him something. We should send him an Alaskan gift pack. Maybe that's something the Common Sense Corps members can do. Maybe we can all gather together some items and send Fred a gift pack for just being awesome. We should talk about that. Brian, remind me that. Brian's a member of the Corps. We uh, we should gather together, you know, canned salmon, knick-knack. My wife will knit a hat. I don't know. Something will happen. Uh, and we'll get it all together. Post that up in the Common Sense Corps cha- uh, 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 page, will you, Brian? And let's get started. I'll, I will, I will, look at me, delegating. Brian, take care of that for me, will you? It's getting to the point now where I might need to have some moderators on the, you know, on the chat and on the thing, just because 
man, I am so freaking busy. Uh, and I'm going to be getting busier in the next few months. There's some things in the works. This show is going places. Uh, anyway, um, but yeah, Brian, if you would, if you would, uh, oh, God. Jeannie's got some canned smoked, smoked jalapeno salmon. That was my favorite thing to do, was to take my favorite salsa and pack it in with the salmon when you canned it. And it was salsa salmon. Oh, God, it's so good. All right. Um, sorry. <laughs> Apparently, I'm hungry. Uh, all right. We're going to jump back into this here. Fred is on the phone, and we're going to um, uh, we're going to continue. Brian is a moderator. Well, that's almost scary, isn't it? I mean, you know. Here we go. Uh, Common Sense Radio. Uh, Fred's our guest. Willie's coming up in the segment after this. And we got this one final segment to talk about gun stuff. So let's get to it. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based. Freak-thinking radio. Right now. Okay, uh, welcome back to the program. We are um, we're just talking about moderators in the chat room, and everybody's like nominating their favorite moderators, and they're all old white guys. Man, if you guys don't find some diversity hires in there, we're going to have a problem. Somebody's going to be mad. It's only old white guys, bearded white guys that are the moderators. Come on. Come on, especially Bill. I mean, really. Uh, okay. <laughs> Let's go back to the phones. Uh, we've got uh, Fred is on the line all the way from Rhode Island. Uh, welcome, my friend. Thanks for calling in as usual on a Friday. What are you thinking today? What's on your mind today? Good morning, Mike. You know, look, this whole thing with this, this student body, that uh, the student group, you know, the uh, students demand action. Mike, you know the David Hogg nonsense, and uh, his his narrow narrow-minded views on the whole thing is uh, you know he, he, this whole thing. First of all, these people, you know, they're a bunch of parrots. You know, they all they all they can do is just mimic what they what what they've been programmed and you know directed to uh, you know to to spew out, which is basically a political motivated nonsense, is what it is. Right, and as right, far as right. like the government, you know, you sit here and you talk about the government not having the responsibility. Well, now they don't have the responsibility. They're also responsible for most of the problems. Most of the problems that begin. I mean, when you start talking about defunding the police and low bail, no bail, you know, turn revolving door, turn turn them loose in the street again. Violent criminals immediately turned around and sat out again. I mean, what do you, what kind of a message are you sending out there? You know, what what effective what effectiveness does the law have when the laws are not followed? Right. Basically, what it boils down to, which is, it's really, it's really, it's really nonsense. Well, it reminds Again, you, you know, it re- doesn't it, Fred? Doesn't it remind you of the old Reagan quote that government is not the solution for the problem? Government is the problem. I mean, right? I mean, that's the. But he, boy, he 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 nailed it. He he nailed it perfectly right there. I mean, and it, it's true. It's absolutely true. You know, this whole thing with these the student groups saying, you know, their feelings. Well, you know. 
their feelings are not the controlling force of the world, all right? You have to deal with your feelings, but you also take into account other people's feelings as well and their rights and their responsibility. And, you know, what I can see is these groups, these anti-gun groups are acting in a very irresponsible way in the fact that it's me, 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 and to hell with you, basically what they're saying. In so many words, in so many ways, that's what it boils down to. I don't care about your rights. I only care about mine. And mine, super, mine yeah. supersede yours because I say so. Well, Where it, the hell are you coming from, pal? You yeah, know? and we were talking about this. We were actually talking about this yesterday. It doesn't have to do with guns, but we were talking about the transgendered bathrooms and everything else and how the one of the local school districts is being sued by the ACLU. And I said, look. You do you. If you want to call yourself a, a, a man, a woman, a boy, a girl, a toaster, I don't care. But don't, you know, and they're like, oh, you're you're invading the privacy rights of these kids by not allowing them to use the bathroom that they choose. What about the privacy rights of everybody else? That's the thing. They, they've forgotten about, you know, this whole idea of everybody has their own individual rights. It's just some people are more special than others that their rights must be. You know, everybody else's rights have to be suborned to what's going on. And the same thing's going on, like you said, with with some of the issues of guns and everything else. What about our rights? That's, I mean, come on. Well, you know, they they said it themselves. We live in a collective society. We live in the village. You know, it it takes a village to raise a child. Absolutely right. But then again, the village is not you. You know, you are one member of a larger society. And either you blend in. But you don't. You want to live in mommy's basement for the rest of your life and play video games and smoke pot? Knock yourself out. But you know what? Don't come contaminate my world with it. Yeah. No, I'm, and I'm with you on that. I, I am with you on that. But again, then again, it's all a village, right? Except that there are special members of the village that they're, we have to sacrifice everybody else's rights on the altars of these special people that are, I mean, that's the thing. Picking winners and losers, that's not government's job. Individual rights for all. If you want to, if you, you do you, you can be anything you want to be. You can believe anything you want to believe as long as you don't use government as a bludgeon to make me believe the same thing. That's the problem. Well, that's the outside. That appears to be the outside, uh, the outside, uh, the outside weapon that they're using to kind of take over society and end the American way of life. You know? Yeah, it really is. I, I firmly believe there's an outside source there. Has to be, has to be uncovered and figured out. But I believe it exists. Yeah. All right. Well, Fred, my friend, it's always good to hear from you. You should send me an email with your <clears throat> with your address, and we will. The Common Sense Corps, I think, is deciding to put together a. An Alaska care package for you. We, we're trying to figure out how to ship a box of forty below to you, but we haven't been able to figure that out yet. Um, but we'll we'll see what we can well, do. That's, that's, well, I, I I probably don't deserve it, but I appreciate it. You know, but, you know. Then again, you know, I do what I do because I believe in I believe in what I what I want to what I say and what I do believe. All so, right, the way well, it goes. But I'm only like one individual in the village. Yeah, just one yeah, individual. Any others out there hey, so am I. I mean, come on. Every every village has an idiot. I'm in the same. Oh, never mind. Thank you, Fred. I appreciate it, my friend. <laughs> I'll talk to you. Talk to you next you week. Take care, Mike. Thanks so much. Uh, Fred calling in from Rhode Island. Uh, 319-527-3864. 319-527-3864 if you would like to uh, – <laughs> you would like – 
Man, the chat room is on fire today. If you have not jumped over uh, into uh, Facebook to to join the chat room today, you should just for a hot minute because it, they're, man, they're on fire. Uh, uh, Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show slash live is the answer. All right. <clears throat> I do want to go back. How much time do I got? Uh, I got four minutes. Okay. So <laughs> let me go back to this story on this guy. This guy, again, in... Uh, in uh, uh, in Indiana is my hero. This this representative, Lucas Jim Lucas. So he goes on to talk about. For those of you who are just joining us, and I apologize, you, you got to go back and listen to what happened in the last segment because Lucas was confronted by teens in an elevator about carrying a gun, and he said, "Yes, I'm carrying a gun right now." And they all had a meltdown. He goes on to talk about that the courts have ruled that police are not responsible for individual safety, which is absolutely true. Absolutely true. The police, they there is no duty to there is no duty to protect you. It's, it's the Rose decision, right? Um, and also another case, Castle Rock versus Gonzalez, the Supreme Court ruled that the holder of a resta- restraining order cannot bring a due process claim against the local government for its failure to actively enforce the order and protect the order from violence. An earlier case in the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals was even more explicit in stating that the police have a duty to protect the public in general, but no duty to provide police services to any individual, even when they've called 911 to report intruders inside their home. Um, And now he got a lot of uh, he also got some heat from people who were like, well, you should, you know, you shouldn't show people your again. Lucas spoke to the state house file on Tuesday and said he defended his position to show his firearm. He said, I just wanted to show that everyday people carry that they are out there every day among people that they have no idea are carrying who are doing no harm, who are not threatening anybody. They simply want to have the ability to defend themselves and their loved ones from people who aren't stopped by laws, who aren't stopped by morality. And that's one of the questions that I ask them. To please give me a law that I could submit and hopefully pass that would stop people that aren't being stopped by hundreds of laws already on the books. The students said they were caught off guard when Lucas showed his weapon and her heart dropped to her stomach. It was as though all my previous arguments were just invalid because I knew that at any given circumstance, he could end the entire conversation by choosing to end any of our lives. This is so much. This. That'll just be us. I mean, that is just the most astonishing. I just we we knew that he could end our entire conversation. I just felt unprotected and unsafe. Yet they all walked out of the elevator completely unharmed except for the emotional scars that they'll now bear for life this is the dumbest thing we're doomed 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 people like this can we just also say we don't actually need gravity i mean yeah we just i mean doomed we don't need gravity we don't need any of that stuff we just don't need it at all don't worry about it all right we gotta go the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Like, share, subscribe. We're going to be back right after Willie Wobble. <laughs> right after this. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. I mean, <clears throat> I, I, God, I hope we're not on the radio still because that's some bullshit. I mean, come on, people. Really?
I, I, I. The student said they were caught off guard. Wait a second. Let me, <clears throat> let me pull my NPR voice out. The student said they were caught off guard when Lucas showed his weapon. Alana Trissel, 17, said her heart dropped to her stomach. It was as though all of my previous arguments were just invalid because I knew that at any given circumstance, he could end the entire conversation by choosing to end any of our lives. I just knew that that conversation wasn't really a conversation because there was nothing I could say. I just felt unprotected and unsafe. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> what did they think was going to happen? I mean, that'd be like jumping into a, it'd be like jumping into an elevator with me. I mean, I've been talking about this for years, years uh, that if you are around me, it is not a gun-free zone, right? Unless I have to walk through some kind of metal detector and I'm forced to go there, you could pretty much be assured that if you're with me, it's not a gun-free zone. And yet... It, it's like one of those things where you could be careful what you wish for. You know, don't ask a question if you're not going to like the answer. They were just, but again, just the savageness. Oh, the savageness. The student told Lucas after he showed them the firearm he was carrying that people carrying firearms do not make the students them feel safe, but rather threatened. At which point Lucas said, okay, those are feelings. I'm talking facts. The student said, that's what this is about. This is about feelings. And Lucas said, people who want to kill you don't care about your feelings. They don't care about your feelings, man. Oh, my God. You freaking moron. They just, they don't care about your feelings. <clears throat> shook. That student, I'm sure, was shook by the... How dare you? How dare you, sir? Tell me you made me afraid. You made me afraid. Okay. All right. I can't. I just can't. I can't with these people. I cannot with these people. It's insanity. Absolute insanity. Okay. Um, where are we at? <laughs> I got to get caught up in the chat room. I'm not going to have enough time before Willie calls in here. Hold on a second here. Uh, let's see. Brian says he's currently beardless. And I said, what the, and he said, but there's a union organization tomorrow, the union of, uh, obviously the union international brotherhood of chat room moderators. Uh, Bill wants Fred to be the national liaison for the show. Um, Melissa wants to know from Brian, when do the brotherhood of chat room moderators fees begin? Um, and then Bill says that Brian drives a Prius, which is just a low blow. 
To which Brian said, don't make me kick your ass. Uh, <laughs> to which Brian, DeVille says, Brian, did I hurt your feelings? <laughs> you guys, you guys are killing me this morning. Just killing me. I have no feels, says Brian. Um, <laughs> you guys are... <laughs> Oh, you guys are just it's so awesome. So awesome. <sighs> okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> this is the Friday that I'm actually got a little bit of tear on the side of my eye. I'm laughing so hard. Uh, it's the thing. Tawny says, can you show me one of those? And I'm not exactly sure what she means unless she's commenting on Bill's thing. Don't threaten me with a good time. Tawny, are you asking for somebody to show you a good time? I'm just, when the chat's out of order, I am so confused. I will be honest with you. Sometimes the fact that I can't see what they're replying to makes this freaking hysterical, right? Because my mind just immediately goes to, can you show me one of those? A good time? Is that what you're looking for? I'm just asking for a friend. <laughs> Oh God. Okay. Um, I gotta go, man. Uh, calm. Calm. Okay. Please like and share. Please like and follow. Ring the bell. Do all the stuff. Okay, uh, hey, it's the weekend. Uh, well, almost. It will be the weekend when we're done talking to Willie, which happens right now. Willie Waffle, uh, our movie critic, entertainment mogul extraordinaire and everything else. Hello, my friend. Well, yeah, I mean, we got to do something this weekend. There's no football. I got all this free time. What am I going to do? You're going to binge watch Reacher is what you're going to do. Oh, that's why I should. You know what? I, start, I just started watching that uh, True Detective. The, old oh, the Alaska, Alaska one that everybody yeah. in Alaska, everyone in Alaska is so pissed about. I mean, the Facebook feed really? is full of people about because it just, of course, you know, it doesn't. But I'm like, are you the same people that watched Northern Exposure and loved it, even though it's like <laughs> nothing like Alaska, you know? But everybody's so butthurt about the fact that, well, that's not really Alaska. Well, yeah, no kidding. I mean, you know, come on. You think L.A. law was really like L.A.? Do you think Boston legal? I mean, you know, I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, um, yeah, you could watch that, or you could watch Reacher. I'm co I mean, yeah, well, come now on. I'm questioning my decisions. Yeah, I'm saying Reacher. Reacher, <laughs> Reacher is that, you know, and actually season one was actually better than season two. I hate to say that, but it, it was. This season, I, you know, I kind of enjoyed season one, yeah. yeah I, I see, well, I went back after watching season two, and I'm like, God, I feel like season one was better. Maybe we should. So we watched the first episode and I'm like, more happened in the first episode of season one than happened in like three episodes of season two. And I'm like, okay, all right. Anyway. Well, it, you know but it why. Was... <laughs> why? There's going to be a season three, baby. Well, yeah, it's a season three. Anyway, it's good. <laughs> it's, it's, it was, they were both great. I just like season one better, but there you go. All right. Well, let's get into the news. First and foremost, I'm so pissed about this. 
Amazon. Where did all these commercials come from? All of a sudden, Amazon yeah. Prime is like slapping me in the face with commercials. I'm like, what? What is it? Oh, yeah. if you don't want a commercials, baby, you better, you got to pay more. <laughs> yeah. The streaming companies are just as bad as the cable companies. Oh, yeah. It's getting there already. So, yep. You know, when I go to see Reacher this weekend, I'm going to find, like a lot of people earlier this week, yes, the Amazon Prime Video has now added commercials to all their programming. Yep, yep. And if you don't if you don't want those commercials, well, you know, they'll gladly take an extra $2.99 a month from you. But I'm with you. So, okay, like four months ago, they said, listen, eventually we're going to be adding commercials. Right, we're going to have a commercial right, eventually, here. Eventually. You know, eventually. Exactly. And I think that was the key word, eventually. But there was no date certain. There was no plan. There was no warning. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Amazon decided to uh, decided to put it to all their customers this week, and uh, started the commercials just you know because they wanted to. Yeah, no, it's crazy. And and the funny thing is, is that uh, there's more. I was reading several because after the, my wife's my wife texts me and says. Amazon's got commercials now. I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, I was just turning something on. And I'm like, oh, no, that can't be. So I Googled it. And the next thing I know, I'm a 20-minute, down a 20-minute rabbit hole on all these articles. Yep. About, and and everyone is, but everyone's asking the question, is streaming starting to go full cable on us, right? Where they give you all these things and packages and you got to pay more for this and more for that. Uh, because, because it just so happens that Netflix now is eliminating that sweet spot uh, subscription that they used to have at eleven ninety nine, that one's gone now, uh, and so, yeah, so so yeah, it's just like it's they're always looking for that next dollar. Oh yeah, I mean, and listen, they've they've all been doing it. Matter of fact, I think they all do it now. I know Hulu has a package where you can pay for for no commercials. Uh, I'm pretty sure Disney Plus has one that you can pay for no commercials. Prime Video now, uh, you know Netflix, all of them are doing exactly the same thing. Now here's this is the part that gets me too. This is the part that really gets me. So, you know, a lot of these streaming services are now moving into live programming, mainly live sports programming. So right. even if you pay for the no commercial version of Amazon Prime Video, you watch that Thursday Night Football, you're getting commercials, whether you like it or not, mister. Yeah. Oh, even and, if you paid, so, yeah. Yeah, so, like, I mean, now even the no commercial package is still going to have some commercials. You know, what is it really going to be worth that two ninety nine at some point? Right. And of course, Amazon and in Netflix and Prime and all of them, you know, Peacock and Hulu, all of them want to do commercials because that's the double dip, baby. Not only do they get your subscription price, they get the money from the commercials. Right, right. You got to pay them to watch their stuff, and they'll show you commercials, and they get paid on the other side. Yeah. No, it sounds familiar. Well, and, sounds familiar. Yeah, one of the things that they <laughs> one of the things that they were talking about was that the average consumer has now three to four sub streaming services. Some of us have more. I have six or seven yeah, streaming services. Yeah, I think services. I'm up there. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I just told Terry, I said, "Well, you know, we've been kind of putting off this whole Discovery Plus and Max thing. One of them's going to go. I don't know which one, but one of them's going to go." Uh, to make it work. Yeah. And that's just, you know, that's it's I think that's what's going to happen is people will start to downsize. I mean, it's still a lot less than I used to pay for cable. Right. Or satellite. But, right. But right. well, at the same time, it's, it's creeping. Drip, it's drip, drip, drip. Right. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. Now, right. here's the thing. Now, Amazon is trying to to, I think, come up with a brilliant plan 
to try to be the one streamer. The idea being that you have other subscriptions under that Amazon Prime umbrella. So you flip to Amazon Prime and that I think they I think they already have a deal with Max. I can't remember who else they have deals with. So you feel like you have one service right. to get all the services. And I think they're really putting that push on. I, I wonder if Netflix is going to have to do the same thing pretty soon because, yeah. you know, th that's, that's the number. I mean, let's face it. This is a battle between Netflix and Amazon. And, and I'll be interested to see who ends up winning. And right. the one who ends up winning might be the one who can put together the biggest package so you right. kind of feel like you only got one. Right. Well, it's yeah. the consolidation wars again, right? It's Disney, yeah. you know, sucking up Hulu and all this other. It's going to happen, you know, the same kind of thing. So, all right. Anyway, we'll get we'll get off that. We've been we stayed there too long. Let's go over to Rachel Ray. Uh, she is back. I mean, Ray Ray. Uh, OK, I haven't seen her in years, but she was always <laughs> fun to watch on Food Network or whatever. But now she's got a whole she got a whole new gig. Yeah, you know, she gave up the daytime TV show. It, it ended, uh, you know, last year. And a lot of people were like, well, what is Rachel Ray going to do? And now we all know she's filthy rich, so we're not too worried about her financially. But we're curious about what her plans are. Well, her plans have come together. She has now made a big, fat deal with A&E Network, another streamer that they're going to want you to buy. And so, you know, she has now made a deal. She has her own production company, and 50% of it has been purchased by A&E Networks. And they are going to start airing her programs on A&E and on streaming services, things like that. So they've made their first couple of announcements. The new Rachel Ray's Meals and Minutes is going to be on A&E. And the Rachel Ray's Tuscany, where she you know, gets, gives you her spin on, on Tuscan cooking and her favorites. And each one of those is, is a commitment to 30 episodes that are going to run about 30 minutes each. The, the whole deal, the whole package is a promise to deliver 278 new episodes of various programs over the next two years. So they're going to start bringing in other talent. They're going to start doing other programming and you're going to start seeing it like everywhere. I mean, like, right. like you, you're, you can see it on FYI, A&E, Hulu, and a whole bunch of places. So Rachel Ray is making that big move, man. Why can't I do that with this show? I'll sell A&E half of this show <laughs> for a multi-gazillion dollar deal. All right. Well, good for her. Good for her. I mean, her and uh, her and Guy Fieri. I mean, they're all making the money at this point. Um, all right. Where are we at here? We got about uh, six, seven minutes. One quick one. One quick hit. What do we want to do? Martha? Ariba? What, what, what you tell me? I think Martha. Martha's the story. So, you know, those of you who, uh, who watch CNN might have uh, might have stumbled across the new Martha Stewart four-part documentary, the unauthorized Martha Stewart story that started last week and then we'll finish up this week. Well, Netflix came out a swing in the, earlier this week. They said they're going into production on their own four-part Martha Stewart documentary, but they're going to have Martha's involvement. And she's going to go into talking about, you know, when she was a model, when she was working on Wall Street, you know, as she became Martha Stewart, the domestic goddess. Right. And she's going to talk about the time she was Martha Stewart, inmate number five, 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 three, four. For the year. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and, you know, and she's she's going to bring in home videos. She's going to open up about this. I think it'll be interesting because every story I ever heard about her time in prison is that, like, everybody loved her. Like, they all would hang out with Martha, and she would do crafting classes for the different ladies, and she would, like, help them with their schoolwork. And, like, I just want to see this in the documentary. I just want to see how this works, yeah. All right, so new Martha Stewart documentary. 
uh, the uh, official one, not the unauthorized one that CNN just did. This is the new official one. Yeah, so. they, they, it's going to be later this year. They don't really have a date on it yet. Okay. All right. Well, we'll keep our eyes out for that. All right. Uh, we're down to five minutes here. So uh, let's uh, let's start off with The Greatest Night in Pop. This is a new Netflix documentary, and this is the story of We Are the World. Now, well, you're old enough to remember this, but barely. Dude, I'm you're barely, so perfectly you're barely, old You're barely this. old enough to remember We Are the World, right? I mean, Oh, I totally remember. This was this was the biggest thing that happened in music and, and you know, it led to led to the Live Aid concert and, and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And yeah, so this is this is the the how the recording and how the uh, how the song came together and, and why it came together and, and the desire uh, to try to help the people who were starving in Africa. And so it really is fascinating and it gets into, you know, kind of the, the foundations like, you know, the idea how they got Quincy Jones involved how they got Lionel Richie involved, how they got Michael Jackson involved. Uh, you know, then I think the, the coup de grace, and, and I think the reason most of the people are going to want to watch the documentary are two things. Number one, all the stories Lionel Richie tells about being at Michael Jackson's house. They are fascinating. Wow. The second, the second story, the second part of the documentary that everybody wants to see is the behind the scenes. Like they had cameras right there in the studio that night when all the stars came together after the American Music Awards and were recording the song. And, you know, it really is amazing to watch because I got to be honest with you, I don't think this could be done today. I don't yep. think you could get Taylor Swift and Olivia Rodrigo and all the K-pop guys and, and, and everybody else you ever wanted into the same room to do something like this. And, and you know, really is interesting because you see that there is the competitiveness. Let's face it. All these people are mega stars. You don't get that way without being competitive. Right. But also, there was the collaboration. And you start to see the friendships that, that existed and that formed and the way people tried to help each other and, and how there really was, honestly, a dedication to do something special. And I think it's just fascinating. I loved it. I mean, I lived through it. You lived through it. I mean... I, I think if you if you were not familiar with the story, I think it's a, it's a great little piece of history. I'm at four waffles. I wow. had a great time. Wow. This. Okay. Yeah. Nineteen yeah. nineteen eighty five, baby. That was like right in the middle of my high school career. So that was the. Yeah. I, I remember it all going on. No internet back then, by the way, folks. If you remember that. All right. No, and you know it's really cool because they talk about like how different it was back in eighty five. Yeah. Like you. Know, how, how you know they couldn't just like text message the other superstars. Oh, yeah, no, they no. had to call them. They had to find them. You know, my favorite part of this thing. I'm not giving anything big away. Bruce Springsteen shows up. He just drives his car and parks onto the street and walks into the studio. Do you think that happens today? Yeah. No. No way. <laughs> no way. All right. Well, it sounds. I mean, maybe I'll have to watch it just for a little nostalgia to see. I mean, Cindy Lauper and Huey Lewis and all. I mean, oh, so oh many, my yeah. god, it was great. Billy Joel and Paul Simon has one of the funniest lines the whole thing <laughs> i got it. i got it to go it's, check. Great. it's great all right uh well let's move over to the one i've been waiting for henry cavill uh bryce howard bryce dallas howard it's called argyle and i don't think it's going to be what anybody expected you tell me what do you think give me the rundown here we got uh, we just got about a couple minutes here i thought it was pretty cool uh, you know, I just think that it runs out of steam towards the end. So the idea here is Bryce Dallas Howard is this famous spy thriller author. And, uh, you know, she, she's written the series of books about, you know, this this uh, Agent Argyle, of course, played by 
Henry Cavill and his partner played by John Cena and all the wild adventures that they're in. And one day when she's just kind of riding the train, going to see her mom, Sam Rockwell shows up and he admits to her, he's a secret agent. Everything she's been writing has been coming true and he needs to know why. And now you're off on a crazy wild ride, man. And and I like the twist and turns. I like that, you know, granted they do kind of foreshadow some stuff, that is very predictable. And then there's other stuff they foreshadowed that you're kind of laughing and going, that was a great idea. And, and some stuff is a little bit predictable. Some stuff is not. Okay. Uh, I, I just think that the, the thing that really worked early on is I think it was more comical. It kind of this mix of comedy and drama. And, and I think it lost that mix. I mean, Rockwell has it all throughout the entire movie. He's awesome. He's fantastic. You, you know, my feelings. I think Sam Rockwell is the best working actor right now. I think he's fantastic. Uh, you know, you got Bryce Dallas Howard, who's wonderful as this fish out of water, right. this scared kid who like lives in her house and doesn't leave, and now she's in the middle of a spy, uh, spy action movie, for lack of a better term. Uh, you know, so I think that you know it, it gets you just, it really does kind of play itself out. It gets too long. It kind of runs out of steam, and and I think it gets. I don't want to say it gets conventional, but there are conventional elements to it that I think kind of take away the edge. Right. But I'm telling you what. I'm at three waffles. I had a decent time. That's good. Serious stuff. All right, Willie Waffle, wafflemovies.com. Thank you, my friend. Folks, we're out of time. Nick Begich, candidate for Congress, up on Monday. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right, so I, you know, I mean, I, I watch all the trailers that I could find when I first, because I'm a Henry Cavill nerd. I mean, I love the guy. Yeah. I mean, the guy, he's a fellow nerd. Uh, he just, he's just an amazing, he does, he really inherits some of these characters. And every time I saw something on this, I was laughing because you could tell it was, some of it was tongue in cheek. It was going to be weird. It was going to be this, you know, kind of metaphysical twist. There was going to be, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. And so I was like, okay, I really got to check this out. But I mean, and I like everybody involved. Like you said, Sam Rockwell is amazing. John Senna, that guy's got some comedic timing. I mean, that guy can, he can really, you know, and uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. She's been amazing in, in most of the stuff that I've watched her in. So, including the village, by the way. Oh man, she's so good at that. Um, but well, you know, and then you throw in there. There's other people I didn't even mention, like Brian Cranston, like Catherine right, O'Hara. Right, right. I mean, you know, th- this is a packed cast, man. <laughs> yeah, and I just love the concept. I loved it. I just loved. It. I love the style from what I've seen of how it was shot and everything else. Um, so, I mean, you know. Sometimes editing, man, pacing is everything, but it, I just, I'm looking forward to checking it out. It's only in theaters right now, right? It's only in theaters now. Um, you know, I, it, originally the idea was that it was going to play in theaters and then uh, Apple TV uh, Plus was going to kind of, you put it in as a big Apple selection. Uh, but I feel like there's been a change in that. I feel like they're really pushing the theater a lot more than the original plan was. The original plan was kind of just to, you know, use the theatrical release to let everybody know it exists. And then, hey, check it out on Apple Plus. But I feel like they're going to go full bore into the studio or into the theaters now. I just read an article yesterday uh, that the director of Argyle, uh, who was working with Henry Cavell, was asked if he would uh, was if he was familiar with the Superman um, Red Sun series of comic books, which is the story about Superman. What if Superman had fallen into Russia 
as a baby instead of in America, what would happen? And he said he would be open to uh, doing a DC alternate movie for this one of these elsewhere movies where it's an alternate world, you know, Marvel Universe kind of thing where it's a multiple verse. And uh, he said he would he would love it. He loved Henry Cavill, and he said he would be happy to do that. So all the comic book nerds are perking up their ears right now that maybe he's not done playing Superman. Maybe he could come back as the Russian version of Superman, the Red Sun. That would be super interesting. I'd be curious to see if DC wants to play that game. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You know, because you got the Gun series, which is closing out. You know, Gun's taking his own direction. I don't know. I mean, I just yep. don't know at this point. The problem DC has been such a hot mess from the just from the get go with all their different movies. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, Wonder Woman was really the one of the biggest ones that did so well. Uh, the you know the 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 Batman versus Superman was actually pretty good, and Man of Steel was good. But I mean, just they've never hit it out of the park like Marvel did, and it's just unfortunate because they've had some really talented people uh, and just been been unable to deliver, and it's it's disappointing to say. Yeah, and and I think one of the biggest problems they're going to face now is it kind of feels like we're on the we're on the decline now with all those kind of superhero movies. I and I think uh, you maybe, know yeah yeah, and so. You know, it, it, things that would have been really cool might not have any funding anymore because people right. are worried about losing the money, that it won't deliver the tickets, that, you know, it, it isn't as big of a deal on the streams as we had hoped it would be. Right. Um, you know, so I think that's, that's going to be a curious uh, aspect to all this. And I think watch how this new DC universe, how that performs. I mean, they're either going to revive it or it's just going to be gone and it's not going to be brought back for years. Yeah, 20-year run for, for Marvel, that's not a bad run for as many that's movies shocking. as they put out. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. All right, my friend, we'll see you next week. Uh, anything good, quickly? Uh, uh, Lisa Frankenstein. I don't know if it's good, but it's going to be out there. Wow, Lisa Frankenstein. Okay, all right, I'm all yeah, about it. Yeah, I, I, you know, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 come on, it's Super Bowl weekend. Nothing, nothing good's coming out. <laughs> Thanks, brother. All right, we'll talk to you next week. Folks, again, Nick, Beg Nick Begich on Monday. Uh, be there or be square. Have a great weekend. We'll see you then. terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show